You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back here with another episode of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi made for football watching. And we are back here on a victory Wednesday, the first victory Wednesday of the year for the Ravens. And really, I think in Baltimore Ravens history, the first victory Wednesday is the Ravens defeat the Dallas Cowboys on Tuesday night football by the final score of 34 to 17. The Ravens move to seven and five here. Dallas falls to three and nine. But this was a huge monumental win. For this Ravens team, they snap a three-game losing streak. They had lost four of their last five prior to this one. Their last three losses had been by a combined 17 points. So for Baltimore to come out, and look, it wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. But at the end of the day, the Baltimore Ravens won the football game, and that's all that matters. 1-0 every week. Baltimore really, they don't, they don't need to win all four of their remaining games after this one, but certainly it would help their playoff chances if they did, I mean, there there are still scenarios where Baltimore gets into the playoffs even if they, let's say, lose to Cleveland next week or they beat Cleveland and lose to the Giants or some crazy thing happens where they do drop a game. If they drop two games, I personally don't see the Ravens getting in without a lot, a lot of help. So the Ravens, they just have to go out there and they have to win. This was a big win for them. If they had lost this one, I, I think it honestly, it wouldn't have mathematically ended their season but it would have felt like their season was over. So I'm very glad that the Ravens ended up coming out, getting this win. A great, great day on the ground. I touched on it ever since we started previewing this Dallas Cowboys game. Dallas coming into the game was the last rated run defense, the worst run defense in the entire league, giving up over 150 yards per game to the opposing run games. And That certainly rang true in this one as Baltimore was able to run for 294 total yards on the ground. Gus Edwards led this team with 101 yards on just seven carries. Absolute insanity. But we're going to get into all of it. We're going to get into the offense here in this first segment and how they performed against Dallas's defense. Obviously, as we just heard in that, it was pretty good. A pretty good performance by the Ravens offense. Then we'll flip the field in the second segment. We'll talk about the Ravens defense and how they fared against Andy Dalton in the Cowboys offense. And then in the final segment, Boy, did we have drama before this game with Des Bryant testing positive for the coronavirus before going up against his former team. Des then went on a Twitter rant, and when I mean rant, I mean he was tweeting throughout the entire night, cryptic messages, drinking some wine. It was it was a whole roller coaster ride. So we'll get into that, what it means for the Ravens, for the NFL, and more. So with all that being said. We're going to jump right in here, but before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere there's a podcast where they're waiting for you Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOSTRIKER34 for any news analysis, any updates, any game updates and live tweeting and anything else relating to the Baltimore Ravens. So with all that being said... 
We're going to jump right in here, and let's jump right in to this offensive performance where Baltimore is able to hang 34 points on the Dallas Cowboys defense. And I do first want to start with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson coming off of the COVID list to play in this one had one practice and one walkthrough to seemingly get up to speed. And all things considered, he performed pretty well. 12 of 17 for 107 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception on a deflected ball by Marquise Brown. That's where that interception came from. He also had 13 carries for 94 yards and a score. The Ravens designed a beautiful fourth and two play where Lamar Jackson took that football up the gut on a fake to J.K. Dobbins. The defense shifted with J.K. Dobbins. Lamar Jackson saw it, pulled the ball back into his belly, and ran that thing to the end zone. I mean, it's just phenomenal how Baltimore is able to fake out defenses with this motion and with the sweeps and with everything that they do pre-snap it just gets defenses off kilter and that's what something that I love about the Ravens and their offense now one would argue and I might say the same thing that there might be a little too much motion we see a lot of pre-snap penalties we also see a lot of illegal formations and those mostly have to do with the Ravens and the motion, but at the end of the day, the Ravens in this play design with the run up the gut, I mean, one of Greg Roman's finer plays on this season. For Lamar Jackson passing the football, there are a few throws that he'd like to have back. It was not all perfect for Jackson. He missed a couple of really easy throws, a couple to Miles Boykin, one to Hollywood Brown. Look, no quarterback's perfect, but if Lamar Jackson really wants to get national respect, he's going to have to hit on some of those throws. And, and I'm not saying that Jackson played terrible in this game. He actually played pretty well, all things considered. I mean, when you only have one practice, one walkthrough, the whole schedule's out of whack because of coronavirus, you, you learn 20 minutes before the game, one of your receivers who you seemingly built chemistry with is out. You don't have your number one tight end and pretty much your number one receiver in Mark Andrews and then also a veteran in Willie Sneed. That's a lot to handle. So Jackson, with all that thrown at him, did a really good job. But again, at the end of the day, those easy throws are ones Jackson has to make. And again, no quarterback is perfect. But Jackson, I think, going forward, those are just things he has to correct. He knows it. We saw some mechanic issues with him in this one where he, he, he again, dropped that elbow. And that's something we saw a lot in his rookie year. And he seemingly, you know, corrected it. But, of course, some habits will pop up sometimes. He also just does it to be able to fit a ball into a really tight window. But on the one that he missed, I believe the pass was to Miles Boykin. It just sailed on him, and we did see the elbow drop and the ball come out and just completely sail. So Jackson, for the most part, had a really nice game. Again, those few missed throws, he'd certainly like to have them back. But I am impressed, all things considered, with how Lamar Jackson played in this one. Moving on to the run game. Gus Edwards, I mentioned it in the preview for this episode, he had seven carries for 101 yards. He led the team in yards, a 14.4 yards per carry average. Absolutely insanity from a yards per carry perspective. Lamar Jackson, again, 13 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. J.K. Dobbins had 11 carries for 71 yards and a score. And then Mark Ingram had six carries for 28 yards. So as a team, again, the Ravens rushed for 294 yards. They have a 7.9 yards per carry average. And this was a game where you look at the game script, you look at how it went, it went exactly to how the Ravens wanted it to. They knew that Dallas struggled to stop the run, and we saw on a couple of these runs, I mean, Dallas defenders were getting in one-on-one -on -one block situations, and there was nobody filling gaps. There was nobody over the top to come down and hit a runner. It was just guys running open for 20 yards at a time. They had a bunch of 30-yard chunk plays. I mean, this run game for Baltimore, this is what they do really, really well. I know that Lamar Jackson and I know that Greg Roman, 
They want to go out there and they want to prove to teams that, yeah, you know what? We can run the ball really well, but watch us throw this thing. Watch us go out there and beat you, not with our run game, but with our pass game. But, you know, whatever gets you the win, I think you have to do. We saw a really, really great scramble by Lamar Jackson on, I think it was a third and 10. Maybe it was a third and eight. I can't remember the exact yardage, but he was looking to throw the football. He was trying to pull back, throw the football. He was looking for guys down the field and he had all this green grass in front of him. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, uh, you shouldn't take that. You should run with the grass you have in front of you. Don't take it back and look for an option when you have the first down in front of you. I know that Lamar Jackson wants to prove himself as a passer. To me, he has proven himself as a passer. Who knows what this game would have looked like if Robert Griffin III was in or if Trace McSorley was in, right? I think Jackson provides just a different dynamic both in the run and pass game. But in the run game, I think Jackson just has to take those lanes a little bit more, even if it means sacrificing the throw. And I know that maybe the narrative will come of, oh man, he's a, he's a runner, he can't throw. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, wins are wins. We all know Jackson can throw, the ones who don't believe it. I don't, I don't know what to say at this point. He's proven it time and time again. Nobody's perfect again, but this Ravens run game, credit to the offensive line. The Ravens rolled out a unit of Orlando Brown from left to right. Orlando Brown, they had Bradley Bozeman, Patrick McCarry, Ben Powers, and a rotation of Tyree Phillips and DJ Fluker, and they played really, really, really well. This was probably the offensive line's best performance of the season, maybe save for earlier in the year, but I mean... Definitely one of their better performances in the last month, two months. This this was a really encouraging sign. Now, yes, this is against the Dallas defense. The Dallas defense, they're not that good against the run. Again, last in the league. But look, they're still professional football players. They get paid to play professional football. Hopefully, as the, the weeks go on for Baltimore leading up to the playoffs, this will be a big momentum boost for this offensive line. And, and they certainly did need it. There were key blocks. Patrick Card had a really good game. There were just a lot of instances where I saw the Ravens dominate up front. And that's something that they were missing. And that's something that I was really, really happy to see. So the run game performed really well. And then in terms of pass catchers, there were a lot of guys who contributed. Marquise Brown, 5 for 39, led the team in both receptions and yards. He also scored. Miles Boykin had one reception for 38 yards. That did go for a score. Luke Wilson had one for 12 and drew the Ravens' first defensive pass interference call for the entire 2020 season. It only took 13 weeks, right? That's nothing. Then Patrick Ricard had two for 11, Justice Hill one for four, Devin Duvernay one for two, and Mark Ingram one for one. So overall, this was a very nice performance by the offense. My, my one concern, or I guess I'll say two concerns, the Ravens still are not great on first down and they are not great on third down. The Ravens really, really struggled on third down in this one. We saw it in the first half. They got a little better in the second half and ended up finishing 5 for 11 on third down conversions. Dallas was 6 of 15, so they were even worse. But we saw Baltimore was 1 of 6 from third down at one point. That's not great. And then on first down, it just seems like Mark Ingram gets 2 yards or 1 yard or 3 yards every first down. They need to be more effective. They had bot screens. They had a bunch of other weird things going on. This team, again, I, I mentioned it in the preview, needs to get themselves into better second and whatever situation, second and four, second and five even, even second and six. Putting themselves in second and nine, second and eights, it's just, it's rough for an offense to go down there and pick up 
eight yards on two downs. It's certainly possible. It's not hard by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like the worst thing ever, but putting your offense in a better situation, if you can do that. And then number two, the Ravens need to burn the rollout section of their playbook. We saw deep in Dallas's red zone, the Ravens roll out. I believe it was on a third down play. The Ravens rollouts have been absolutely horrible this year. When it's a designed rollout where everybody's shifting to one side of the field, absolutely horrible this year it is it's not effective i don't think baltimore has been successful on any of them i think there are maybe one or two plays where it's resulted in a positive gain so i just think the ravens need to stop doing that but overall the ravens offense did enough to win the football game putting up 34 points and beating the dallas cowboys we're gonna head into our first break now but when we get back we'll be talking about the ravens defense and how they performed against the cowboys offense so stay tuned for that and we'll be right back Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious with six new flavors including caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in delicious treat bars with low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. So be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And we are back with our second segment of this Locked on Ravens Wednesday edition episode, A Victory Wednesday. Kevin Oshrick, your host, still here with you. And we just talked about the Ravens in their offense against the Dallas Cowboy defense, but let's flip the field now and talk about the Ravens defense and how they were able to do against the Dallas Cowboy offense. So this is an interesting thing for the Ravens defense. I first want to start with just... How, how they play defense, because it can be very confusing sometimes, but what the Ravens do is they like to play the bend-don't-break defense. And obviously the first rule of bend-don't-break defense is you bend, you don't break. So when Baltimore does break, it is pretty disastrous for the reason that look, the Ravens in the bend-don't-break defense, they give up a lot of underneath short stuff. The quick-hitting offenses like the Pittsburgh Steelers, like the Indianapolis Colts, they'll take that all day long and then bank on their red zone offense to do work so in return the Ravens they're giving up this stuff they're giving up this stuff their red zone defense has to be insane the Ravens play a bunch of off coverage they seemingly they like to play a lot of off coverage in the first half see where they're at I have noticed and I know a lot of other people have noticed this too the Ravens defense seemingly mans up a bit more, plays more press in the second half. But the fact does remain that even with a, an offense like the Dallas Cowboys, Andy Dalton was able to identify quick hitting throws, pick up chunks of six, seven, even five. That's enough with three downs to move the chains every single time. So that really hurts the Ravens if their defense is not playing in tip top shape in the red zone. Now, Greg Zerline, the Dallas Cowboy kicker, helped out the Ravens. He missed three field goals ended up going one of four on field goals made both of his extra points however but for Baltimore this defensive game is something that it was a good performance but at the same time there were definitely aspects where they could have played better Derek Wolf led this team with nine total tackles Deshaun Elliott behind him with seven Anthony Averett returned to the action he had six tackles Marcus Peters Bruno McPhee LJ Fort Patrick Queen and Chuck Clark had five and then a bunch of other guys had four and below Patrick Queen also had an inner Reception off of a tipped pass in this one and this this was just an overall really nice game you know just as an overall perspective but again there were some underlying issues that could affect this team going forward and the one for me that causes the most concern and I'll probably spend the most time talking about is definitely 
the lack of pass rush that this team seemingly has. And it's something where it was a huge, huge, huge concern coming into the season last year. And th- throughout that season, we saw it. We saw that Michael Pierce and Chris Wormley weren't getting it done. So what does Baltimore do? They go out, they acquire Clayus Campbell. They acquire Derek Wolf. They had Michael Brockers for a bit, but that kind of fell through after like 11 days or so. So the Ravens, you know, they addressed it. They even went out and acquired Yanni Kingakwe. But for some reason, the Ravens just cannot get pressure on quarterbacks. And it's one thing that the Ravens sometimes struggle against the quick-hitting offenses, again, at Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. But Andy Dalton in this game against the Ravens, he had all day to throw this football in some instances. We saw late in the game the Ravens were able to get pressure. Jihad Ward had a sack on Dalton. That was the only sack of the game for Baltimore. This is just something, though, where we we head into this stretch of games upcoming. We head into the playoffs if Baltimore gets there. You cannot give quarterbacks that much time to throw, especially when the Ravens play so much off coverage in spots. It just is not a formula for success. Another thing that is really concerning is the lack of tackling that this team seemingly has. The Ravens have not been able to tackle over the last couple of weeks, and it's honestly been something that's been a little bit more of a concern throughout the whole season, but we're just now seeing it really blossom, and blossom might not be the right word because it's more of a positive word, and this is definitely a negative trend, but this Ravens team has got to tackle better. We saw on multiple occasions during the game last night against Dallas, the Ravens were giving up catches or runs or whatever, and they were just not finishing plays. Guys were running by guys. Chris Board had a pretty bad game in this one from a tackling perspective. The Ravens had a goal line stand where they were able to stuff Ezekiel Elliott, but you know, on the fourth down play, Amari Cooper's wide open. That's a touchdown. So it's just for this Ravens team, they have to be able to tackle and they have to be able to generate pressure on the quarterback. I mean, it's it's really as simple as that. A football team who cannot do either of those things is going to have a tough time playing against real professional competition in this league. And we saw that. This is a Dallas Cowboy team. Ezekiel Elliott was struggling on the ground. He ended up having 18 carries for 77 yards. It's a 4.3 yards per carry average. So it's not like he lit the world on fire, but he was busting out some nice runs. Tony Pollard had eight carries for 22 yards. He started off strong, ended up slowing down really, really abruptly during the end of the game. But this Ravens team just... It's tough to watch them miss tackles time and time again. Tackling was a big concern last year. I know a lot of that blame got shifted on Earl Thomas, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the Ravens said, all right, we don't have Earl Thomas anymore. We have Deshaun Elliott. And honestly, Deshaun Elliott was really the only one that I saw that was interested in tackling. Derek Wolf had a nice game as well. I mentioned he led this team with nine tackles. Anthony Averett definitely showed some rust returning. Devontae Harris, same thing. Not in terms of rust, but in terms of just getting picked on. He was picked on early in the game. And look, I've said this all season. You have a team with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Who are you going to throw at? You're going to probably throw at the guy who's not named Marlon Humphrey or Marcus Peters. So Averett, I think, just coming back off the COVID list. And Devontae Harris, someone who is still learning the system, I'd probably target those two guys, and that's what Dallas did. But overall, still a decently solid game for this Ravens team. I'm not saying it was a bad defensive performance by them, but there are certainly some things to work on as the Ravens move and start to prepare for Cleveland. They start to prepare for the Giants and Jaguars and and Bengals. There's some stuff to work on, but it's very encouraging to see that even with the chunk plays given up sometimes, even with the bad tackling and no pressure, They still held Dallas to 17 points. Now, this could have easily been 26 points had Greg Zerline made his three field goals. 
But still, it's just something where the Ravens were able to work with what they were given. And at the end of the day, they were able to play winning football on the defensive side of the ball. And that's all that matters. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we get back, we'll be talking about the whole Des Bryant situation with the coronavirus, what it means for the Ravens and the NFL, and Des Bryant himself. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. And we return with our final segment of this Locked on Ravens Wednesday edition episode after a 34-17 Ravens victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still hanging out with you here. We talked about the Ravens offense. We talked about the Ravens defense. But let's talk about this pregame drama that happened seemingly as the Ravens were done with their coronavirus nightmare. Word comes out that Des Bryant, the Ravens wide receiver who was looking forward to playing his old team in the Dallas Cowboys, was pulled off of the field during warmups to be sent home because he himself had tested positive for the coronavirus. And now what ended up happening with this is Des Bryant, he was out there by himself doing individual warmups for a couple of minutes. I don't know how long exactly, but he was hugging teammates, former teammates, coaches, personnel from the Dallas Cowboys side. Ryan Mink posted a photo of it. That photo is now deleted. I think the Ravens wanted to suppress as much information about it as they could. The league, same thing. I mean, Honestly, in all likelihood, it's pretty ridiculous the game was played at all because who knows how long Des Bryant has had the virus. It could have infected more people on the Ravens. I'm sure in the locker room, these guys are supposed to be wearing masks at all times. But again, what if Des Bryant went to drink something? What if Des Bryant went to eat something and he was around a guy like a Marquise Brown or a guy like a Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay, one of the wide receivers? It could all spell disaster. Now, hopefully it does not do that. Even hopefully this is a false positive for Des Bryant, but the whole thing is that 20 minutes, it was around 20 minutes before game time, the Ravens find out that, hey, we're not going to have a key piece to our offense. We're going to have to roll with two first-year guys and two second-year guys at wide receiver. The Ravens without Willie Sneed, Chris Moore still on IR, though he's been designated to return from injured reserve. He still was not available for this one. So the Ravens did not have a ton of experience at the wide receiver position in this game. Now, Des Bryant himself, of course, was distraught over this news. He was just getting ready. He was really excited. You could see it on his face during warm-ups, even, even behind the mask, and he was dancing, he was getting all hype, and then to have that ripped away from you, he said on Twitter after the game, you know, this was more than a game for him. It was to make a statement. He didn't need a catch in this one. He said he just wanted to go out there and prove a point. And I'm assuming that point was he wanted to show Jerry Jones and the rest of the Dallas Cowboys that they made a mistake in cutting him, that he still looks really, really good. And he still does look really, really good. But during the course of this game, Des Bryant said, look, I'm done. I'm not coming back this season. This is too much for me. You know, talking about drinking wine. I'm I mean, this is somebody who needed to cope with it. And so according to the tweet, Des Bryant was not going to come back and play for the Ravens in 2020. Now, he did later clarify that he was coming back. And this was something where I just think he needed time. He, he got on Twitter. He was expressing his emotions. And that's that's completely okay. I see him getting a lot of flack on Twitter people saying he's soft, people saying that he's not allowed to do that. That's just awful. Des Bryant is allowed to certainly do that. He's allowed to express his emotions. He found out that he has a disease that has killed so many, so many people. And I think that he has every single right to go out and express his emotions on social media and to not have that be criticized. If he was to opt out of the year, people were saying, oh, that's disrespectful to the Ravens. They gave you this chance. He should be grateful. 
what about all the other guys who opted out? Is is that their fault, right? I mean, Des Bryant has a choice. He has a choice to play football or a choice not to play football. It's on him whether he can opt out, whether he, he wants to stay and play. Now it's looking like at the end of the day he wants to come back and play. But if he did end up wanting to opt out and th- the whole coronavirus thing was too much for him, that's a decision that be, should be universally respected, not something that people should tear him down for. Brian is somebody who has provided a bunch of veteran leadership. He talked about how excited he was to be on this team. He's somebody who has truly bought into this Baltimore culture, and I'm sure he's very thankful for the opportunity. He's expressed he's very thankful for the opportunity. So to kind of pull that all back from him and to kind of spit in his face in a way is just something that I don't find very respectful and is not something that I would do. Now, I think that, you know expressing your emotions as an athlete you're putting your opinion out there for a lot of people to see and I think Des Bryant knew that he just wanted people to be able to know how he was feeling he wanted a place to vent and that's what he was doing there but it looks like Des Bryant will be returning to the football field for Baltimore it won't be on Monday night Des Bryant will not be eligible to play against the Cleveland Browns they will be missing him for that game but it's looking like he will suit up for this Baltimore Ravens team again during 2020. And that, that's what I want for Des Bryant. I want him to be successful. I want Baltimore to re-sign him in the offseason. It's not like Des Bryant has done a ton from a stat sheet perspective, but it just seems like the culture in Baltimore has changed ever since he got there. And that's something that I know Baltimore values a ton. But now let's move on to a little bit about what actually this means for the league. I mean, the Ravens have a positive coronavirus test. The NFL has been so strict and has all these protocols in place that like, look, we're going to find close contacts. If guys are in proximity with other guys who have the virus, we're going to make sure that that's all handled. This is 20 minutes before a game is supposed to be played. The NFL is risking it. The NFL is really risking it by not putting a stop to this thing and saying, you know what, we're going to be better safe than sorry. If there's a test from Baltimore that comes positive this week, if there's a test from Dallas that comes positive this week, or even next week for that matter, the NFL is going to be in a bunch, a bunch of hot water for this because it just proves, and I think what they've done this season has kind of proved it in itself, unfortunately, that this is about money for them. They don't necessarily care about player safety. There have been multiple instances where I've seen on Twitter or articles or TV interviews where this whole thing, the NFL coronavirus protocol, it's been something that has been deemed a joke by professional doctors. Guys saying, look, this is, yeah, the NFL's kind of making a show out of it in terms of, yeah, we're going to put all these things here. We're going to make it seem like we care. But at the end of the day, the game's going to go on unless there's a crazy outbreak, even if there are close contacts, this, that, and the other. I think that's something we're seeing here with this Des Bryant thing. Like, how can this game seriously be played even though there is literally a guy in the building hugging Dallas teammates and coaches and personnel being in the locker room with other guys. I mean, hopefully he was wearing his mask the whole time during the warm-up photos and videos he was caught in. He was wearing the mask, but it's something where this is something that was very risky by the NFL because this could be transmitted very easily. So at the end of the day, Des Bryant does test positive for the coronavirus. It was a wild few minutes before kickoff. Des Bryant ends up getting sent home, says he's not playing anymore, then says he is playing. Drink some wine. The Ravens go out there and win 34-17. And that is just another day in the life of Baltimore Ravens football. That's all I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, it's more Ravens talk from us. We'll be getting into crossover Thursday with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Brown. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.